everyone, Andy Warren here and welcome to a special edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. It's a pleasure to once again bring in Mr Kieran Dyer, a former Ipswich Town star of course, a man in possession of 33 England caps and a man who's getting pretty good at interviews with former Ipswich Town players. We've heard from Kieran talking one-on-one with Kane Vincent Young recently but today we can bring you his chat with former Ipswich Town striker Alan Lee. They cover everything. They cover Alan's start in football, his journey to Ipswich Town, his career at Portman Road, playing with Paul Hurst at Rotherham, and then his thoughts on on Paul's uh, managerial reign at Ipswich, and then a, a good chat about Alan's coaching journey and the satisfaction he gets from from working with young players. It's a really good listen um, with two really good guys. Um, hope you enjoy. We'll chuck it over to Kieran. How you doing, Al? Um. Yeah, it's really strange times, you know. Um, uh, uh, you know, thank God, my family are well, and you know, no one. It doesn't seem to be. Um, it doesn't seem to be anyone locally. I know with the coronavirus, um, there's a lot of elderly in the village. I know that self isolating and everyone's coming together and helping out. It's it's a really strange time. Obviously, I know you work at schools now since you left Ipswich. Uh, how how has that affected you? Are you still at work? Um. Well, this morning, yeah, we've we've we're we're still catering for kids of key workers, obviously, and you know we want to do everything we can to do our bit. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm certainly going to be working tomorrow and Wednesday. Um, but it's um, we're we're kind of we're reacting to everything quite a lot at the moment. Yeah, worrying times. When I was doing all these, uh, going through the research for this interview, um. Let's move the dog back into that. Monty, get back in your bed. Monty, bed. Bed. In there. Go on. <laughs> He's not having it. Monty, up here. Up here. Monty. Up there. Up there. Stay. <laughs> Sorry. Nah, I was saying, when I was going through your career, I was just going through a few notes and stuff. What comes to mind when I think of your career is an old-fashioned centre-forward, a big number nine. Do you think that's a dying breed in today's game? Um, yeah. You, it's, it's a dying breed, but the, the, the demand for them is huge. Um, you know, that's something, you know, I think now... Um, you know, if I'd played 10 years, <laughs> if I'd played 10 years, I suppose every generation thinks if you played 10 years younger, you know, it'd have been so much more in demand. Yeah. Um, and it's always a regret that I didn't play. I only I was only a sub in the premiership. I never played a game. Um, and you wonder what might have been. But it's, and it's funny, it's something people, they're not, we're not developing them, but everyone wants them. You know, and I think there's a huge... There's a big market out there if someone does it the right way um, and corners the market. But I think if you, um, you know, I think the style of playing academies don't encourage it. You know, everyone coming to feast. Um, but, you know, every team in the world, when they are, when it comes to the last few minutes or they need a goal and everyone's tired, um, they turn to a big target man. And you see it all. You see it with Liverpool. They put the centre half up front last few minutes um, so yeah I think it's a shame but um, I think they'll come back 
you kind of answered the the next question in that answer there. We've both worked in academies. I think that's a big reason why the number nines are being phased out of the game. There's this Pep Guardiola approach that every academy has. That this is the way we're going to play. We're all going to be number 10s. We're all going to dominate the ball. And I think that's why we're seeing a shortage of number nines. Would you agree? Um, yes, certainly. The game's, the game's changing. But I still... The, the bit I can't... I, I, I think if you look at... Um, you know, everyone's going on courses and philosophy and um, no one's standing up and saying, listen, I put it in behind and get after it. <laughs> you know, which, which is what a lot of first teams do. Um, I, the, the bit I can't, I, I can't get my head around is I suppose even there's, there's a really high level of football um, or if, if, you, if, you put, if you look at Barcelona and their goals, there's still, if someone high presses them, they put it in behind you, you know, and I felt that's that's the bit that's kind of lost in academies. I think everyone's right set up, play nice football, try and work in a plan to get one player free, um, and really, um, I see really good players if they're being pressed, look at the space in behind and try and put it in there, um, and I don't think I don't think in academies when they're younger they probably can't do that well enough because they're not strong enough to do it. Um, but I think you, as you go forward, that's one. That's one big thing I see, and I see a lot of academy games and twenty threes games. And I'm thinking, if I'm, if any manager watching watch watching this wants that ball to go in behind there, and a good centre forward will learn and react to that. But you, um, I mean, centre forward is also you'll tell a centre forward to do things that you won't you won't want the team to hear. Yeah. You know, you, you centre forwards have to be selfish. You, um, there's so many like little tricks and the dark arts and using your body up against people that I, I don't think people can actually coach. Um, I don't think people know what's going on um, on the pitch um, until, unless you've done it and you're really experienced at it. Um, and I think the best way to learn is, is, is the experience of actually doing it. We'll get on to coaching later on. Uh, I want to talk about your playing career to start off with. How does a young lad from Galway end up at Aston Villa? Yeah, really, um, really fortunately, I, I suppose. I uh, came from, my dad from a very young age was out in the back garden playing football. My dad, dad loved it. English football so he lived in a part of the country where you weren't allowed to play football you know you'd get your football taken off you um, and then times changed and um, he he was a huge football fan and a mad sports fan so I remember him bringing me down when I was four to like the under nines and I came home crying you know it was too, I was too early but yeah, I, when I was five I was maybe able to play under under nines there wasn't very much younger football in in um in Dublin where we were living at the time but um I was a big boy for my age and then we moved down to the countryside and I was maybe 10 but playing the first year they'd start football was under 13s so I was an under 10 but I was playing under 13s and kind of not a bad player it's a big gap uh, then when I was 11 
I was a much better player in under 13s. Of course, yeah. When I was just one year above my age, I was the best player. You know, and I still had a year to go. So people kind of took notice. And around that time, our club team and the county did really well. And we won a national competition for the first time. So clubs started asking me over on trial. And we were like, this is like, you, you, you might have been, well have been asked to go to space. You know, it was, we'd no, no one from around where we lived, no one we knew ever had this opportunity. So I went to Nottingham Forest for a two-week trial and I was useless and failed miserably and they didn't ask me back and it was totally over I was totally overawed how did you how did how did your confidence take did it take a massive oh, hit with that trial or not really not, not at all I wasn't even conscious of what yeah, I was doing yeah. uh, it was like I was going over for a sports camp yeah you know I had no real um I had no real ambition you know, I, I didn't think I'm, I'm going to be a professional footballer. Mm-hmm. So I came back from Nottingham Forest um, and um, at that stage, I think Oldham and Man United asked me over for a trial. So I went over to Oldham. Joe Royal was there. I loved it. Did very well. Mm-hmm. They wanted me to stay. I went to Man United, played a game, scored a hat-trick thinking here we go yeah. they didn't want me back um, so they, 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 they know what they're doing um, then I went to Aston Villa and it was different than Aston Villa they immediately said listen we want you to keep coming every summer holidays every time we'll fly you over and I just really enjoyed it got on well with the lads there it was Peter With I remember brought me over and for the next 18 months two years every summer holidays I'd go off to Aston Villa on a flight of my own, train and play, or do well, and I felt like I was part of the club. Um, now, ridiculously, I still didn't think I was going to be a professional footballer. Mm. Or, you know, I was studying, doing my exams, I was good at school. Um, we thought we were just drifting. Um, mm. So then Aston Villa offered us a contract. And I'd done my exams a year early in school, so I was kind of an unusual case. I could come out of school early. Um, and we said, no, obviously, we're not going to go over and become a professional footballer. We've got to finish you know, education and go to university or whatever. And we, we honestly hadn't given it much thought. Then Ron Atkinson came over to the house, um, saw my mum and dad and said, listen, we'll give him a four-year deal. We will provide him with extra education. We, at any point, he can walk away, come back home. Um, I'd kind of a gap year in in my schooling um, where you kind of do an extra year um, in some schools in Ireland and we thought oh do you know what go on we'll do it we'll head over and after the year you can come back home if it's not right and yeah. um, and I drifted over I didn't even cry leaving home see you later bye it was felt like I was going to another camp yeah um, and I turned up to Aston Villa and there was um quite quickly there was a change over management and the club kind of changed the club went from very easy going to um quite strict and you know a lot more demanding and the youth team manager changed um and i was literally i, I was in that zone you, you know all about it i thought i turn up to Aston Villa, i do what they're putting on and i you know i might become a professional footballer might not not really thinking about what i'm there and i failed so miserably i was awful 
Evan used to take the mick out of me from a touch. It was the big, clumsy, awkward Irishman with the dodgy clothes. <laughs> um, Some uh, things have yeah. to change in the clothes. <laughs> so, uh, and the coach, I thought, all oh, the coaches hate me. You know, he's just picking on me. I was really, became really homesick. And um, um, at this stage then, I'd kind of, it, it kind of like, there was, it became... I stopped thinking I'm going home. I'm I'm here now. It was kind of like well, I'm in this cycle, um, and I never did any anything extra, um, and then I started my second year. I was kind of because I was very young. I was going to have three years in the youth team. So my second year, they had more expectations of me, and again I was useless, absolutely useless. wasn't working hard. Hated the coach. Felt that he hated me, um, and I thought everything was totally unfair. An excuse for everything. Mm. And then one day, I'll never forget, Tony McAndrew took me off after 25 minutes of a game and said, sit down there. I'm, well, listen, it's all right, well done. Um, didn't bollock me, didn't shout at me or anything or ask me, you know, what did I think I was doing. Mm. The next week I went home for an international game. I got sent off for kicking out at someone. And I remember looking in my parents' eyes of shame. You know, I was really, really ashamed. And I came back and I realised... I'm failing here. Mm -hmm. I'm, f I'm failing. I've let my parents down. I'm not working hard. Um, and I said, well, the only way, uh, it was a bit conceited at first, is that I'm going to go in every day, an hour earlier, and I'm going to work earlier, and I'm, I'm going to do extra in the mornings, and I'm going to do extra in the afternoons. And I did that every single day. So I went in, a, a fantastic coach, Malcolm Beard, used to between nine and quarter to ten kick balls at me kick balls at me kick balls at me control your ball move the ball pass it sort your feet out afterwards kevin mcdonald tony mcandrew malcolm beard would stay out afterwards and i'd make sure no one trains longer than me yeah. every running session i'd uh i'd try and win everything i could if i was vomiting from work i'd get up and i'd run again and I showed I showed everyone there that it, it mattered to me. Yeah. Um. If the lads had a night out, it didn't matter. I'd still be in. Yeah. First thing. So under, if we didn't have a day off for 30, 40 days, which is kind of what sometimes happens in, in football, I'd do it every day. And some weird things happened then. One, I started getting a bit better. Yeah. And two, the way everyone looked at me changed. Mm. And the confidence I had myself cha changed. Mm. And all of a sudden... My work rate went up in games. I scored more goals. The way the coaches responded to me was was good. was was brilliant. Yeah. And I, I kind of realised then actually, um, I, I learned you've got to grasp it yourself. The yeah. coaches can't give it to you, and I had really good coaching. So the really good, really good people who told you when you weren't working hard and told you straight and honestly and didn't didn't have any favourites. Everyone got the same treatment. And gave you a well done when you did it, yeah. did it well, and picked you out for it. So, um, and yeah, so I I turned it around. Yeah, good. Oh, just going back to what you just said, we've been talking for ten minutes, and I started to really know you quite well when I joined the club as uh, as an academy coach with you. And one thing that really s stuck out to me was your confidence is fragile. And that you've talked about when you're under 10 and you're going up 
and it just seemed that kind of blighted your whole kind of, you know, not blighted your career because you had a career, but you were always dealing with confidence issues. Would you say that's fair? I, absolutely. I mean, yeah. and I think too much. Yeah. I, I remember everything anyone says to me. Yeah. So I can remember in a meeting, you know, I, after I've been in so many meetings and people say something, and the next meeting they, they'd say something completely different. And I remember yeah. exactly what they say. I can do that. So, um, I was, I always, wherever, where the only place I didn't feel like an outsider was at my school, was at Blackrock College. It was the one place. And at that school was, everything you did was for the school. There was no egos. Um, there was a lot of pride in what you were doing. Um, and always in football, I've, I felt like an outsider. Uh, or maybe even an imposter at some, some stage, yeah. you know, but I taught a lot of footballers feel the same. Mm. You know, as, as you get older, you know, you learn, right, I can affect this game. I know. Look, when I was playing at Palace, I had absolutely no self-confidence issues. I wasn't scoring many goals. No one expected me to. I played the whole game with my back to goal. Yeah. And Neil Warnock said, right, you do this. And I trust you. I know that you, you won't do it in training. You won't be bashing me by in the training. But on a match day you will go through a brick wall for me and the team and give everything. And I knew I could do that, you know. We're going off track a bit, but yeah. with Neil Warner, we've talked about coaching and tactics and thing. You just said he gave you so much confidence. I always talk about Bobby Robson, made everyone feel a million dollars. How important is that for a player? People do not understand. They talk about tactics and formation and you got her out with it. How important is it for a manager, in it, to make players feel so confident? You get because if you've got everyone on that pitch one hundred percent confident, there's a good chance you're going to win games. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is. It's crazy. You think about all these. It's not rocket science. Yeah, but as, as well as that, you can't. It's. It's. I, I think a lot of young coaches go, right. I'm going to give my best player a lot of confidence now, and that's going to work. Yeah. No, when he's working hard and applying himself and that's, you know, you don't, when, when your best player isn't, you know, isn't working hard, you've got to make him attach. Well, the, the, that's the reason you're not doing, you're, you're, you know, it's not coming together for you. Mm. You know, it's, but I see a lot of people go, oh, well, no, if I just put my arm around him. And, um, no, you put your arm around the kids who are trying their nuts off yeah. and doing it the right way. It would be what my, my opinion how it's done. But... Um, I, I, yeah, f- listen. There's there's nowhere to hide in a football pitch. You know, if if I had, if I had real deep self belief, um, uh, I could have played. I could have been so much scored so many more mm-hmm. goals and played yeah. a better player. But do you know what? I'm really happy with the way it went. Of course, yeah. Um, I think you've, your type of characters. It's funny. I talk to Scoey a lot about this, and Scoey's a thinker. And probably we were so alike in in our experiences of football. Where, you know, you there's there's people in life who just you're probably better off being a bit thick and going. Well, I don't care what anyone thinks. You know, yeah. don't 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 take absorb any information except I'm the best. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And also, there's another great point you put again. I keep referring back to Ipswich. Ipswich lose a lot of academy players before they've even played in the first team. Seen with Ben Knights, or seen with Charlie Brown, Marcelo. The list goes on and on and on. And there was a point you just made that 
Ron Atkinson, who was Aston Villa first team manager, comes to meet you in Ireland to convince you to sign. When a manager of a football club is coming to you as a young kid, did it blow your mind about like this club really cares for me? Because one of the things we at Ipswich we, we need to t- stop is players leaving the football club. Yes, Man City and Chelsea's might throw thousands and thousands of pounds, but I just thought that was such a powerful story that the manager of the football club comes to your home to convince you that the future lies at the club. Yeah, so you imagine, at that point, once Dad, like, living, growing up in the west of Ireland, um, building his own little Sabutio figures out of wooden blocks, because you couldn't buy any paraphernalia to do with football in the west of Ireland. Yeah. Uh, listening to long wave radio to get the you know fuzzy long wave radio to get the results has one Atkinson in his front room. What do you think he's going to say? <laughs> exactly. But but you have to remember, so football clubs were a lot more connected back then. It was a lot simpler. You know, if you think now, you know the there was probably there was a manager who was God. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Now he was a huge personality, great experience, and then you've you probably had an academy manager, you'd call it now, someone who, who was over, oversaw the youth system. You'd have one coach per age group and you'd have a really scout, good scouting network. And the scout could probably talk to the academy manager and the manager and say, listen, we've got this good player. If, if, you, if you can have a word, it can make it happen. And um, everyone felt quite connected. Yeah. So it was probably easier back in the day. Yeah. Okay. You didn't actually make... An appearance for Aston Villa, was that a, do you, was that a gr- regret for you or? Um, yeah, I probably should have stayed. You know, looking back, I probably should have stayed on. Um, it's funny how you get your your chances. You, I was, they offered me a two year deal at the end of my my contract, and they offered no other. They didn't offer two year deals to anyone else except me, and I got the impression they knew I'd be a footballer. I don't think they thought I'd be a Premier League centre forward, mm-hmm. but they really liked me and yeah. they really knew that, you know, there's a lot of people pull pulling for me. Yeah, of course. I went on loan to Torquay. It's funny how you get your first your, your first go the Torquay manager, Torquay was second from bottom in in the second division. Um and the manager came to watch me at games the able take and went down there for Eight weeks and absolutely loved it. Yeah, and you score your first goal. Who was your first goal against? It was against football? Exeter away. Header? No, left footers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can say what I like now. She knows top bins, left foot, <laughs> and it, it it was a little a little dinky one. I was I wasn't a, a big car horse back then. I was my best yeah, asset was my pace. Yeah, I was really really great. fast. Yeah. Um, but you learn straight away that the um. Uh, you're, it means so much. Yeah. So the, the you know you, nothing prepares you for this, but um and it was really good because they were under pressure. You were playing on on bad pitches against really experienced centre halves who were kicking at you, spitting at you, uh, doing everything to upset you. You know, you know, like mad things off the ball. You knew if you if if you came in and dangled your feet in, you were getting cleaned out. Of 
course. I mean cleaned out. And you need to be brave enough to stand up to that and be first to the ball. That, that was the most important, the simple information. Get first to the ball. Yeah. And then, um, but I had a lot of fight in me. So, you know, once I was on that, I was a cocky little, you know, I, I might have felt like it, but I, I, right. I, I mouthed off. Of and um, if anyone wanted to fight with me, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't back, I wouldn't back down. I wouldn't back down. So did really well and scored a few goals and scored the winner again. We knocked Fulham out of um, the cup while I was there. Scored a golden goal winner, great header. Um, Kevin Keegan was their manager, and we kind of went up the table a bit and did really well. Good. And then I was called back, and uh, Brian Horton at Port Vale, yeah. who had been impressed when I played against him earlier in that, took me into the championship. Okay. They were in a relegation fight, so I was there for the last six weeks. And again, um, I took my foot off the gas. Thought this a bit easy. Yeah. Went up there, failed. Um, they weren't impressed with me, and I was kind of going, you know, left out of the squad. Uh, I was carrying out, having nights out, thinking I made it, and then a similar thing happened where you go, actually, do you know what? Um, I'm going to do a bit more here. Started doing some running. I'm glad if you realised it so young. I didn't realise that until I was about 29. <laughs> <laughs> no, I keep, I, I keep, I keep drifting out. You forget. Listen, it, it's not the way it is. No one's, no one's perfect. You yeah. know, I, I, I'm, and it's hard to keep that level up for 20 years. Yeah. So anyway, I knuckled down, came on a game against Bristol City, did well, roughed some people up, started putting myself around a bit, scored a couple of goals. And by the end of it, we stayed up, so it was really good. Um, so, um, yeah, you, 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 listen, youth is wasted on the young. So. Would you say, obviously, you had the, the brief spell at Burnley, but would you say your career really took off at Rotherham? Um, I did, but first of all, at Burnley, um, I went there, um, did really well pre-season, didn't start the season had a dip in form kind of hit my confidence it was it was a it was a it was a squad of the biggest characters you could ever possibly imagine i mean we even had ian wright for a period we yeah, had course, you yeah. know ronnie jepson peter swan paul cook um uh, steve davis you know there was just it, it was it was an amazing learning curve and um stan turner the manager was a, you know a legend yeah. but again he was slaughtering me do you know what I mean if he heard I was out if I was out on a Saturday he'd know I was out and I'm going like there's about five alcoholics in the team <laughs> and you're having a go at me for going out on a Saturday night <laughs> exactly. but um, uh, and I just turned it around scored my first goal got myself going was working really hard and then had a really bad knee injury and um, yeah so cut a long story short um, I left without really them seeing the best of me yeah. Um, and signed for Rotherham. Um, um, but just a word on Stan Turner. He, he gave me hell when I was there. I felt, you know, I, the environment was a really, it was a real man's environment. Yeah, but um, I'll never forget, once we eventually got promoted at Rotherham, he was the first one on the phone. He'd sold me. And he was the first one on the phone to say, well done. Yeah, you know, really happy for Alan. It just, it always sticks with me. What a good people person. Fantastic. You know, he wasn't the type to think, oh, well, I hope he fails now. Yeah, it was just um, wonderful. So I went to Rotherham. We were favourites to get relegated, or second favourite at the start of the season to get relegated. I signed probably October, November, and um, 
we just had a team of with some really talented players actually but like a team of big characters we all had fun together we all went out together but no one could work harder than us you know really really honest people no egos Mark Robbins up front who'd score a goal Paul Warren um, uh, you know a really talented boy again probably another one of those players who never had that confidence as a player but was really talented worked really hard Martin McIntosh, John Mullen, there's so many, Stuart Talbot. It was cut a long story short, we were kind of always up in the playoffs or second, third. Again, no one fancied us to get promoted, but it comes down to, we find ourselves, two games left, and we find ourselves in second position. And we still don't think, you know, this is yeah. going to be, you know, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this ain't a done deal by a long way. You know, I think Reading are a point behind us. Anyway, it's half time and we hear Reading are 2-0 down at Colchester or possibly 3-0 down. We're 1-0 down. We've gone 1-0 down first half. We've got an equaliser. We're drawing with Brentford. Yeah. If we score, we know we're up. Of course. And we don't have to go to pressure in the last game. Yeah. We're at home. It's our last home game. So anyway, this, I remember, it's just that you are totally, everyone's shot at this point. No one's playing good football. Everyone's just too shattered, under pressure. You know, the, the ball's like a hand grenade. You know, you, you know, you, you just want to give it to someone else as quick as possible. Anyway, I scored a goal in the last minute um, wow. with a turn and shot through someone's leg into the far corner. And as you know, Kieran, when you, you score a goal like that, it's, you know, the emotion, the... Of course. The... Um, the 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 pride you feel you know it's that feeling you cannot nothing now we you know, all the money in the world you cannot buy that feeling you, you just can't replicate it so we great celebrations um, and then we went up to the championship which is huge for a club like Rotherham struggled in our first year but stayed up yeah and then the next season we did really well Good. you know and I scored seventeen goals I think and. Had some clubs looking at me, big clubs, and um, playing very well. Probably, at, you know, at, at, at my peak. Good. You were a guest at Rotherham just recently for the when Ipswich went up to Rotherham to play. I think you went on the pitch at half time, and you kind of got a standing ovation. And obviously, I know a lot of the Ipswich fans, and even at Huddersfield and Palace, you're a bit of a fan's favourite. Does that speak volumes of you as a person, player, or both? <laughs> I, I think um, uh, I've I've been very lucky, and I think I think fans, uh, you know, I I had some, you know, like you say, with confidence at Cardiff. When I when Cardiff saw me, it was useless. Two weeks later, I was I was banging in two against Southampton away, looking like you know. It's it's just funny, you yeah. know how how circumstances change. I think they always, um, they always saw I worked to try my best. Yeah, and you get away with a lot. They knew if there was, I wouldn't back down from something. They didn't see me duck headers, and if I ever met met someone on a street, I'd always talk to them. I, I never. I don't think I've ever been different. I've never been jealous of anyone in my life. Mm. I, I just don't have that in me. Yeah. And I don't think I'm better than anyone. And if any fans wanted anything or told that, I'd always just do it and talk to them normally. 
Yeah. So, um, I think people, I think people know that and respond to that. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I just like to think it's pretty. You know, I'm an ordinary guy. Ronnie Moore, was he a massive influence to you at Rotherham? Yeah, I love him. I'm eternally grateful to him and Brex and the people there. Um, you know, again, it's that someone who comes in and believes in you. Yeah. And gives you that. I can, I can. I don't remember anyone giving me much tech, technical information ever. Mm. But I remember when it goes well, it was good people telling me, Al, you're doing it the right way. Well done. Say something that that enforces that you've done well and that you're confident and you should be confident and then told you in the right way when you're not at it. Yeah. And I think we all need that a bit. I think all players need that. Listen, you know, Kieran, you're not... You know, you have to understand the person. Some people need to be exposed yeah. in front of everyone. Some people just need a quiet word. Of course. Joe Royal would say, Alan, come on, have to, Alan, that's, that's not you, is it? That's not the Alan Lee I've said. <laughs> and you want us come, yeah. and I want to go in that second half, I'm going to run through a big wall for him. Yeah. You know, just... Um, um, yeah, it's that's the that's the real skill. Yeah, I think of coaching and management is, you know, just being honest. And my last question about Rotherham: Didn't you come across Paul Hurst? Did you ever think he would be a manager? Did you? Yeah, Hurst. He was one of the lads. Johnny, a yeah. really good lad. Yeah. Um. You wouldn't immediately jump out at you as a manager. Um. You know, he was. He'd have a laugh. He was obviously married. He was settled down and married. You wouldn't, you know. But when we were all together, he'd go out for a beer with us, and mm. he always seemed a really nice bloke. When he, um, when he was announced as Ipswich manager, had he rung you to get a lowdown on the club players or? Um, no, he hadn't. Um, yeah, and I, I felt it was weird because I felt like he was uncomfortable when he saw me. You know, mm. and I was didn't seem. Um, You'd yeah. left the club though when he came. No, no, I was there. Oh, you were still yeah, there. Yeah, I was still yeah, there. Sorry. Yeah, and he you got the vibe that he felt uncomfortable. Yeah, it it was it was weird, but I suppose you would. I, I don't know. I'm trying to put myself in his is, you know. I think um, I think certainly one of his mis- You know, I think I don't think Hursty realised what was. You know, I think I think if you come in, there's so many people in football go. I know exactly what's I'm going to do. <laughs> This is exactly how it's going to go. And very often, you know, once I, once I, once I hear that, I know things are going to go wrong um, because nothing's, nothing's black and white. And there's so many, th- you know, I never felt Hersey knew what he had to begin with, you know, before everything happened. So um, uh, I think, you know, if, if, if you're going into a club, you, I think it's a good idea to phone, to talk to the people who know what's going on. Like, like Andy Little would have been a perfect, you know, Someone like that. At first, he's spoken to him, or yeah, me. But you know, that's that's by the by. Yeah. So after Rotherham, you went for nearly a million quid to to Cardiff. A million quid in today's football is probably about twenty five million. Would you say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's yeah. Went down to Cardiff. Uh, Lenny Lawrence, and kind of probably went. Again, probably, I probably went 
how should I put this? Because I think what Cardiff did was Cardiff was spending a lot of money. Um, and if, if I'm totally honest, I probably went down with. Well, I've got to secure a good money contract. Was probably my probably was probably the wrong way to go to think mm-hmm. about it. Not 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 that Cardiff wouldn't have been the right choice. Yeah. It was just that mentality was wrong of of me going there. Um, I don't think I saw Danny Gabbard on the other week and. You know, I was saying like how ugh, I never felt I did it. To be fair, I had a bad injury probably four or five games in, which didn't help. I was never right after that. But yeah. Gabs was saying, oh, you know, I just, I don't, we never played to your strengths. Um, but um, Cardiff is a wonderful place. Loveliest people. Um, they just know the fans are still in touch with some of the fans and um, great part of the world. I thought I'd end up living down there the rest yeah. of my life. But um, uh, it didn't work out. I remember I had, I had a knee injury. My knee injury came back a few games in on international duty. Came back, had an operation. Operation failed. So I had like two operations before I was back in the team. And then I just wasn't the same. I had stomach problems, hernia. It was kind of one of those, never really hit it off. Um, so I felt like I failed. I tried my best, but I failed again and it was around that time that Joe Royal came in at Ipswich mm. so you imagine I'm thinking it, like, I, if things had gone really well at Cardiff I thought Ipswich would be the type of club I'd go to yeah. not if I failed yeah. but Ipswich were desperate for someone one good thing to come out of the Cardiff moves I suppose it didn't go well right at club level but you got called up to the island squad yeah I think I was Do you remember where you were when you heard the news I think I was playing for Wuthering when I played oh, for Ireland okay. yeah yeah no it was okay um. Yeah, and that was. I remember getting called up, and again, it was so. Um. If that had happened four years later, I'd have understood more why I was a good player. I'd have been more effective. I went there totally overall. I was going to bring you on that. So now you've come from a team like Rotherham, and you're now going into a change room with Robbie Keane. And all these players. And it was similar to me. I got called up for England when I was still playing for Ipswich in the Championship. Mm -hmm. And everything was going so well for me. And the next thing, I'm now walking into a change room and there's David Beckham and Ian Wright and Shearer and even Gazza or someone would probably was still... And you're like... The first thing I thought was, am I good enough to be here? Straight away. You can't help but have self-doubts and obviously you're coming from a lower division and you've got some of the players who are playing in the Premier week in, week out. Yeah, and like just even the interaction around, I didn't know how to act. I was so nervous. <laughs> so, and like, you know me, right, when, I'm, when, I'm comfortable, when I'm comfortable or like in the teams, yeah. everyone would say, Al is the, usually at the centre of things going on and I was, I feel really, feel really comfortable around, yeah. I don't like going into, you know, into a new area that I'm quite comfortable with, you know. So, and particularly when you're younger, I've been thinking, right, in back in my club, um, the laugh and the joker, I'm holding the court for the fines, and here I'm just like a little mouse, I don't know what to say, you know, I'm nervous. Oh, sure. Um, added to the fact that Robbie Keane and Damien Duff could move that ball at the speed of light, <laughs> and I'm going. I can't even, you know, you've got Roy Keane wrapping it into you. You've got these lads going past you like you're not, you know, you're not even there. You're thinking, well, wow, you know, this is this is a totally different level. Um, so, um, 
again, I, again, I wasn't conscious enough. It was a bit early for me. Um, you know, I'd if it, it it would have been I could have coped if I was more mature and a bit older when I realised. Well, actually, hold on, what? Yeah. You know, I actually deserve. I I can be here. I can, I've got something to offer. Yeah. Which was hugely you, proud, really yeah, proud moment, obviously. Yeah. You touched on it a bit about Joe Roll, and you thought that Ipswich could be a club you come to if you were doing the business at Cardiff. Were you shocked then when Ipswich come calling? Yeah, I was really surprised. I think Joe Royal had. I, th- I think now you, you're not going to believe this, but Joe Royal told me the season before on the stats. I think Joe fancied me as a player, and whatever scouts had known, no, he's too slow. And they did the. The wise guy, they had the stats, the speed. Yeah, and I was the yeah. fastest centre forward to play at Portman Road that season. The season before. Oh, okay. So, and he said on that basis, he said, well, actually, no, we'll sign him. Um, so, yeah, you walk through, listen, you, Cardiff at that stage weren't developed as a club. So we trained in the middle of an athletics track, you know, got changed. It was kind of one of those, you know, People think championship football's all, you know, you, they're probably a bit more now, they all have nice ch- training grounds. But back then, you, you, you know, there were still some people training on the equivalent of a park pitch. Yeah. You know, and you, but you walk into Ipswich and it's beautiful and the pitches are fantastic. The, the, back then, the first team pitch, first season was amazing. And it just gave me such a lift. It just, you know, that I was here. And you score what's crucial to a centre forward Scoring an early goal, score a couple of goals early in your career course, in, yeah. at, at a club makes you know that can be the difference between you, you know hitting it off or not. You know it's so it's so it's so base. You know you so much is what vibe you're getting from the fans, your players around you. You know you stick the ball in the back of the net and people go, oh man, yeah, I have him. Some big characters in the change change room at the time there as well. Um, yeah, it was Jim Jim Magilton. Um, Tommy Miller came, I think, the next year. Gavin Williams. Tommy Miller was came down as a fifteen-year-old and troll at Ipswich when I was. He was the same age group as me, and he got released for being too small. And obviously, I was about five inches smaller than him. <laughs> <laughs> and I got on to have him. It was just crazy that he came back. He came back and finally played for Ipswich. Yeah. I just, yeah. You have some teams where um, you 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 kind of lose sight of like just how close you are, how much those people mean mean to you, mm. and you can have your falling outs and every so often it happens in families, but those those lads that you know that that was a really it was a really good team. We built a really good team. Um. And yeah, people like Tommy, Jim Jilton. I remember we used to have such a laugh. Yeah. You know, we'd work hard, but it was such a laugh. You know, training ground, was so, it was, there was so much fun. Well, Ipswich had a massive reputation in them years of being a family club. Did you yeah. get that kind of feeling? Even the, like you said, the staff, they train you at the staff at the ground, the training ground. It just felt yeah, like a big family. You Charlie Woods calling in. Mm-hmm. You just, you, you felt... Everyone was pretty grounded. Everyone was grounded. Um, I felt there was a purpose. 
behind that. I thought David Sheepshanks was very good as, right, we're, we're pointing in this direction and we're all going in that direction. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I felt, I, I felt really comfortable. I felt comfortable in the area as well. Being a countryside boy, I lived in Dedham, um, you know, I'd love to, I'd love going to the pub, the local, you know, the great local pub and the boys would come over and we'd get the guitar out and, <laughs> you know, the phones wouldn't work and it was just really, um, um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed my time. I, I didn't think I'd ever leave. What was Joe Roll like as a manager? What was his strengths? Um, just ex- experience, just mm. that kind of, he had an authority when no one, you know, you wouldn't question him. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. Um, and he didn't feel the need to, you know, that, that what I described earlier when he said, come on, Alan, that's not, you know, that's not, that's not the Alan Lee we yeah. know. He just have a way of getting through to you. Um, you know, if you put on weight, I remember I was injured for, I'd done my hamstring, I was injured and I put on weight. And again, he pulled me and said, listen, this, that's not, you know, that's not right. You know, you know, you, you know, it wasn't a big expose. It was just right. You, you, you've got to knuckle down now. You know, you've, you've got to do it the right way. I brought you here, and you know, I want you fit, fit as a fiddle. You, you, you do it. It was such renowned for bringing players through. What players were coming through at the time, or what players were in the youth team who went on to make good careers with you when you were there? Or uh, Owen Garvin was in the oh, team, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, Shane Supple. Yep. Um, Garves went on and did well, Palace, but then kind of finished early as well. You know, I don't, I don't quite know, um, what happened to, to Garves. Garves is a very talented player. I think he's back in Ireland now. Ian Westlake around was he? At that Westy time? was around. Yeah. yeah. Um, Matt Richards. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Um, Bowditch was kind of in and around. It was some really getting in the team. Danny Haynes. Yeah, Danny Haynes. Um, so there was, yeah, there was. I know certainly Joe had to use use a lot of the kids. Um, I think that I had the the club was financially still in trouble at that stage. Mm-hmm. How did you did you were you there for the crossover of when Jim became player to Jim become manager? Yeah, I, I, I was, and I remember on like on the end of season night out, I was saying to Jim, "Go, for, you know, if or it was when when Joe when Joe went, yeah, no, it must have been. I, no, no, I I don't think Jim and Joe were getting on very well. I think Jim wasn't sure, yeah. but I was saying like Jim, you should be, you'll be manager here one day. Yeah, um, and I remember. Yeah, it was strange. It must have been... I can't remember. When did Joe go? I'm not sure. Was it the end of the season? I'm not sure. not sure. But anyway, I remember encouraging Jim to stay around. um, And then he got the the job. Something funny happened with Joe, because I think Joe wanted to spend more money, but didn't... The club wouldn't... I think we did another good... um, Oh, we had the lad from Preston, the centre forward. He went to Stoke. Hmm? There'd been another centre forward on loan that he wanted to buy. Yeah. And he felt we could have made a promotion push. Of course, yeah. Um, 
but I think they wanted to take some money out of the academy to do it. He said, if we cut that budget, we could have some more. They wouldn't do it. So I think, you know, I think Joe went on so that Marcus basis. Marcus wasn't. Marcus, Marcus wasn't, there, wasn't no. the only owner who doesn't spend money. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I don't think we even had an owner back then. Uh, and then Jim took it, and at first it was weird because um, Jim's kind of how should I put it? Jim went from one of the boys to be an authority figure, mm. and it was always it's a tough transition. So now, right, we're out on a Saturday. And Jim's going, well, if, well I'll do a lot of all out on Saturday. And we go, well, Jim, you, you know, three months ago, you were the one leader, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it becomes really hard. Yeah, and, course, and especially yeah. when you've got someone like me, you'll go, well, well, it's all right with you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but uh, he, he was, I, I tell you what, Jim was amazing. He got everything going. Um, I thought he did really, I was really, really impressed with him as a manager. Uh, training was good. He had a laugh. He could have a laugh. He's such a character that he's a way of... You can't help but like him. Of course, yeah. But on a match day, he'd go mad. And I felt that was the one thing. If he could just calm down on a match day and not... Because it mattered so much to him. He was so passionate. And so there was times where stuff would go wrong. And I think Jim would take it personally that you've not played well for him. Mm. Or he'd be so worked up in it. And then sometimes on a Monday or Tuesday, he'd still be angry with you. And it just created a bad kind of... Because I think we, we generally had a good bunch of lads. Yeah. Who were, who were honest. So I'd say if... Um, the first season was a bit difficult. You know, we're in trouble for a little bit. Yeah. But um, I scored... I think I scored 17 that season. The next season, we did really well. And I think that was when we were point off the playoffs and we should have done it. You know, we should have got to the playoffs at least. Um, but yeah, this, the signings he made were really good. Played a nice brand of football. I think everyone loved the football we played. Yeah. But um, we mixed it up really well. Um, I think if Jim had just taken a little bit more pressure off his players at certain times. Um, um, but I think it was harsh when, he, when they got rid of him. I think yeah, it was really very harsh. Uh, you know, looking back now, um, you know the, you know Jim, that sort of character that knows the club inside out. You know, knows everything that's gone on. Knows what you know, what can, what, what bricks need to be put where to make it successful. You know, I think. You know, it's um, the the club lost a lot of experience and someone who really cared. About Ipswich Town, Jen, whatever you say, and I, listen, I didn't get on with Jim at the end of it. Yeah, he cared about Ipswich Town. He yeah, wanted Ipswich Town in the Premier League. Yeah, I agree with that. How did Brian make the transition from going as an academy coach into the first team, Brian Clue? Well, I didn't really, um, I didn't really know Brian that well. You know, I kind of knew him to say hello around around the place, yeah. um, and uh, you know, Brian would have his little, you know, he'd do a little bit of the coaching. Um, and um, but it wasn't really uh, yeah you do some good stuff that made you think about what, what you, you're doing you know, certainly in combine, com, combine and work with the centre forwards um, but uh, you know I think um, I, I don't think Brian and Jim ended up seeing eye to eye either and I think you know Jim was really living and breathing every, every minute of us and I'm not sure the the transition 
you know, you know sometimes in that I, I felt in in that season away from home. If if we got one more point away from home, our away form was terrible. Yeah. And that's where I think needed someone to go. Right, let's change up what we're doing and stick the ball in behind and get after it and just try a different strategy to try and break what happens here. But I felt we, um, um, I think we we kept trying to do the same things. Yeah. Um, Didn't have a plan B. Yeah, I'm not sure we, yeah, I, I think um, it, was a, it was a big opportunity. We probably should have tried something completely different. Yeah. To break that cycle because it comes, you you you've not won away from home. It comes a cycle of right it's a self, um, what's it, I wouldn't even attempt the phrase self fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Mm. Um, you said yeah, yeah, there's Steve Foley as well, and yes, um, uh, who I'm still in touch with, and you know, uh, yeah, some good people around. You said obviously when you were having good times with Joe Rowe, you thought this. You were going to end your career at Ipswich. Did it pain you then to leave to go to Palace, or like you said, did it get that bad between you and Jim? You you just wanted out. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was um, yeah, it was a. I'd felt let down. I turned down and moved to Hull, which I'm not being funny. It could have quadrupled my money, mm-hmm. and I actually turned down. Way way more money, to stay at Ipswich because I didn't want to go. Yeah. I'd I'd done that before. And I loved it there. And then I think Marcus took over. Next thing, there was a lot of money floating around. And all of a sudden, you got the impression that, like, um, right, we're going to play. There were certain players that were, I felt, easier on the eye, but not as effective as what we already had. So, um, like, good lads and all that. But yeah. I just just had the impression that, um uh we'd lost a little bit of before that everyone had to pull together. Everyone had to work really hard to get the maximum out and we were pretty good at Jason DeVos was an amazing captain. Yeah. Really, really good. With a guy called Watt Nickel in coaching people and like telling people how to think and he got Jason under his arm. It was amazing. Watt got me to think about my game. He was an amazing guy and helping Jim. And all of a sudden it felt like the club was going away from that. Um, and the book, I think Kevin Lisby from. Used to play at Cheltenham, yeah. Yeah. And I remember um, I was on the bench first couple of games, and I remember Kevin Lisby scored a goal in the cup, and I remember Brian looking at Jim, going like, you know, and kind of really slapping each other on the back, and I'm thinking, I'm a better player than him. Yeah. And I don't mean to make against Kevin, but for yeah, what, what we need to do here, you, we don't need that really skillful player. Um, but you felt that things were changing. People in the club then were kind of, you've obviously got the lads on way more money and the lads who've really done the business with the club. Not, it always caused attention. Yeah. So um, around that time, I know Neil Warner came in for me at Palace and I just thought, you know what? I'm not sure the way things are going here. Um, I'm not sure this money has been the best thing for the club. Um, I'm not being offered a contract. So I best go. Yeah. And Neil Warnock's probably my best bet. Yeah. Neil Warnock's been linked to Ipswich quite a bit in the last few months. Um, we obviously have worked under him. Tell me what the man means to you. And... Um, 
Well, as as a person, so when I when I went when I went to Palace, injured first training session, hamstring, didn't get diagnosed properly. Before I knew it, like three months out, I was going out in, in London, living <laughs> up in London. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was just a typical making all the mistakes. Yeah, you know, putting on weight, disaster. Felt missed. Felt I I bitter from leaving Ipswich. You walk in, you feel. You walk in the morning, you feel. Um, like everyone's looking at you like we spent this morning as a player and he's injured now yeah. and it just it's a horrible place to be first season scored a couple of goals but right off and Neil wasn't happy with me I wasn't happy there and but he never made it personal Yeah, he never made it personal he said listen I want Norwich you're in for a moment for you. do you want to go there I said yeah listen I'll shake your hand thank you very much there was no big problem made went to Norwich we'll talk about Norwich in a minute Sorry, yeah, yeah. details in so when we came back pre-season, next pre-season, because he'd never made it personal, and when he needed me, it was all okay still. You know, our relationship was fine. Um, but I'll tell you an interesting story about him. He, I'm flat in London. End of the season before, um, I'd met my, my now wife, Catherine, was living in my, my cottage in Dedham. So when I came back in pre-season, I said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to live in London at all. I'm going to travel in every day. Um, it doesn't matter because I'm going to be moving soon anyway yeah. to clubs. Anyway, he noticed I've been travelling from Dedham. Um, cut a long story short, I came off the bench first game, scored the winner. Played the next game, played, the, played well. Played the next game, took me off at half time. Not explanation, no nothing. And we were playing at home. So I went to see him Monday morning. Well, I've had enough. I'm going to make this personal now. I've done everything. I've you know scored goals. He's taken me off at half time. I went to see him. I said, what... Um, Gaffer, I'm not happy. Why did you take me off at half time? He goes, Whoa, whoa, stop you there. Where were you Friday night? I said, Well, I was in my flat in London. Do you think I was out? I'm like, No, no, I know you weren't out. Why weren't you travelling in from the countryside? I said, Well, it's a three hour drive, Gaffer. I don't know the traffic. What if I'm not, you know, so on Friday, my plan is to stay in London and go straight to the gate. He goes, No, 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 no. You're a different person when you come in from the countryside. You're more relaxed. You're different. There's a different vibe from you. When I saw your car in the car park, on Friday, knowing that you'd gone to London, I thought, I had my doubts. I was wrong to take you off. It cost us the game. But from now on, you travel into the countryside every day. If you're late, you're late. Just phone me. It's no problem. <laughs> yeah. It was the best bit of management. He'd, he'd known everything yeah. I was up to. He yeah. knew everything. He'd worked me out. He'd gone, um, and he took all the pressure of me travelling. So now, I'm travelling into the countryside under no pressure. If I hit traffic... I was never late, but I've mm. hit traffic. I just phone. You go. It's fine. Just take your time. Yeah. It was brilliant. Yeah, that's that's probably one of his main strengths. I remember when so I left West Ham, and he was interested in signing me. But before signing me, he wanted me to go and meet him. So he was living in Richmond at the time, because he wanted to look me in the eye and have a proper sit down, have a cup of tea, and get to know me as a person mm. before signing me. And I'm like going to my agent, what is that all about? I'm not signing for who, who does he think he is and that. But as soon as I sat down and we had a chat like we're chatting now, I was just blown away by the guy. Uh, very, very unique manager. Very unique manager. And you, you do things like um, when I wasn't playing first year, we might do shape. And if I wasn't smashing the centre, I wouldn't smash the centre halves in shape. Yeah. And he'd go, right, get off. You're going to do it, right, get off. But the second year, he'd stop training and he'd say things like, now, I know Alan hasn't smashed Paddy there because he doesn't want to, to... But I know in a game, he'll be winning that header and we'll be getting the seconds down. So it's all right, Alan. I know, I know you'll do it on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but then he'd have ways to put you down as well. Like he'd say, I remember 
had a good game against Villa, came off, and the the fans, the Palace fans, had gone from disliking me to you know respecting me. Obviously, second half, second the second season, and he goes. Bloody hell, I'd even Alan Lee's getting a standard of it. You know, he'd say things out in front of you. Or we're like, we're playing Wolves in the replay and the boys go to practice penalties because yeah. we're thinking, right, we're gonna, this could be penalties this game. So I anyway, know a few boys take the penalties and I walk up to take mine and he goes, Alan, what, what the fuck are you doing? You won't be on after 70 minutes let arrive on 120. Get in and get home back to the countryside. And he'd make it go home. Uh, he'd go, there's, there's no point in you practice them and he's right yeah he's so he is brilliant but on, on a serious note he made things let's say um, you know everyone tries to make the game complicated at the moment you know everyone is is on this um, this spinning wheel of this is what this is what tactically I'm going to do and I'm going to please this plan and that plan and it's extra extra what he does is he makes things simple and he goes like my first game um um, one up top. I've got to be first of the ball. Okay. Mm. There's a throw in just inside our own half. I go over to cover the throw in like I've been doing with Ipswich for the last three years. Get you, he absolutely <laughs> launched into me. You do not step foot into our half. You stay up there. Your job is to be first to this ball. When we win this ball, you've got to find a way to hold it up and, let the, and then play in the good players, Victor Moses or. Um, Darren Ambrose and let them score the goals yeah. and you say you know people go oh dinosaur you know old fashioned all this no 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 no. he had the clearest he was the most detailed simple way of telling you what, what your job and role could be yeah. and then within that team we'd, we'd, everyone you know there was a lot of like, real fighters in the team there was loads of fight really good experienced pros Clint Hill Sean Derry Danny Butterfield and then some really talented boys. But Darren Ambrose was the special player. Mm-hmm. Darren Ambrose was... It was amazing because Darren Ambrose could do... Anyone else switched off for a moment. you get, you know, and meet down as the front bricks. But he knew, as all the lads did, no one would have a bad word. said, Darren Ambrose is going to keep us up single-handed. With his talent and the way he's doing. So he can switch off. And we'd all... And it's funny, as a group, everyone bought into that. That's fine. No, we, we need to get... We're all here... To get a Darren Ambrose in a good position to score a goal. He did the same with Adele Tarrapt. Uh, before I got there, when the season when they got promoted, the lads were telling me a story that they were having one away to some team, and Sean Derry, Clint Hill, start digging out Adele. You're not pulling your, you're not running, you're not tr- working hard, and and Gaffer come in and absolutely slaughter them too. Said he's going to get you promoted. Are you going to get us promoted? No, he's going to get you promoted. He doesn't run. Because you lot are going to do his running. So all you 10, run for him, give him the ball, and he'll get us promoted. Yeah. And they ended up storming yeah, yeah. the league. Just little things, details like that. Just, he's a great guy. Enjoying this. Yeah, so um, you touched on it a little bit earlier again. Norwich. <laughs> See, I've always said, and I know the stubborn person I am, I would never play for Norwich. I would never accept a job at Norwich, whether it be first team working as an, a coach or a thing. And people will say, oh, yeah, but you're a local lad from Ipswich. But the same would go with Sunderland because I play for Newcastle. I would never go and play for Sunderland. I would uh, never take a coaching role up at Sunderland. They could offer me 
serious money because I don't know, just a pride thing and a stubborn thing, probably a weakness on my character, you could say, um, I wouldn't accept it. And I remember when Titus rung me when he was going to make the move to, to Sunderland and I was basically trying to convince him, are you mad? Newcastle fans would kill you and da 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 da. You talked about how much you loved Ipswich, the fans loved you, and then you go and sign for the rivals. Were you, was it, were you scared? Did you have how the Norwich fans would take to you, how it would affect your Ipswich relationship? I know it was only on loan, but still, it was still a big move at the time. Yeah, it was. Listen, it caused some. Yeah, you know what? I I did it for the right reasons. I think when you do things for the right reasons, that at that stage, I hated London. I wanted to go out with my fiance, or I'm sure if we were engaged by then, but Catherine was back at home with the dog. I hated London, hate what I was caught up in. This is a way home. And Brian Gunn, who's my mate, was the manager. And they were in trouble. Mm. Um, and I'd also felt that I'd felt let down a bit by Ipswich Town because I felt I'd done everything I could. And then I thought, well, other people got looked after. You know, I turned down a big move to stay there and I didn't really get shown a lot of loyalty. Um, and as it's proved out, the players you bought weren't as good as me. You know, so, you know, that, I'd, I'd a bit disappointed um, in Ipswich. So it, there, there wasn't an element. I, listen, I don't enjoy being at this, you know, I didn't want to be the set, the centre of it. Yeah, of course. But, I thought this is better for me, yeah. um, and I really liked it there. <laughs> you know, it was. I was quite shocked with what the level the club was at. You know, mm-hmm. I thought actually, this is a Premier League club. Yeah. And then we got relegated. I only played five or six games, but it took me one game to run the to win the fans over. Mm. Um, Delia was amazing was such a nice so cared so much about the club when they went down I remember Mr Folger I think guaranteed the season ticket money and the fans were were quite philosophical about it yeah and stayed with the club but I thought the setup and around the stadium and the things that used to happen and the amount of staff they had was quite um I was quite sure, I was quite alarmed by mm. like compared to Ipswich at the time yeah so it doesn't surprise you that the success they're having now in the Premier League, being a Premier League club, they're probably going to go back down unless there's this season-divided Yeah, God knows what's going to happen, but I think, God, they, you know, they're not... From, from what we understand, listen, we, you, it, it looks like they've, they're banking the money. Mm-hmm. And why on earth more clubs don't do it that way? I'll never, ever know. You know, I think so... I think that's just re. It's, I think it's really. Listen, the the people in charge have got to be. Think, if you're in charge in development in a club, you've got to be thinking five years ahead. Mm-hmm. You everything you should forget about results of a game. I think five. What 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 are the connotations of this decision for this club for five five years time? Because that's generally. But then going back to that, I know we're going off track in that. Look, Ipswich have come out with a long-term plan. They give Paul Lambert a five-year deal, but because results are going not so great, everyone's going, the club is crazy, giving him a five-year deal. What the hell are the club doing? No wonder we're thinking that. 
But you're now, well, listen, we're not talking about Ipswich, but you're saying if you're going into a club to thing, the objective is where you see the club in five years. Yeah. So with this controversy about Paul Lambert getting a five-year deal, can you understand why Marcus gave him the five years? Um, well, whoever... So Marcus is the decision-maker. Yeah. I, you know, and I guess Marcus and everything. Who, you know, so I guess it's Leo, Brian, whoever's advising the owner. You know, I guess everyone sees that what Paul Lambert is doing is the right thing for the club for a long term. Mm. I, I can't answer. I've not been in there. Okay. I, I, I met Paul Lambert once, handed my notice in, uh, about a week later, I think. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. You know, obviously they see some. You know, until no one knows anything until you're inside the football club. Yeah. No one knows. Everyone likes to think, oh, well, do, do this, do that, until, until you really go in there and see right who's working hard, who's bluffing it, who's you know you you. So I wouldn't. Um. I haven't seen Paul Lambert at work firsthand. I see some really puzzling things on the pitch and funny, you know, there's funny statements, but I don't, um, you know, I think it's, uh, I remember when Mick was criticised, I thought it was really unfair because I knew the reality and I think it would be, you know, um, it's, um, you know, I think it's a bit of a confusing time at Ipswich at the moment. Okay, and that brings us to your last one. You did go back to Ipswich under Mick McCarthy, but Huddersfield, and you talking about it earlier with um, when it came to practice and penalties, uh, Neil Warnock used to send you in. So was he to blame for you missing a penalty at Wembley Stadium for Huddersfield? Right, there's so many bits, funny bits of that. So... At Huddersfield, I went there towards the end of my career, and great, best set of lads. I hooked up with Tommy Miller, Gary Roberts, Jordan Rhodes, lifelong friends, you know, wonderful, wonderful set of boys. Like, and we actually went 40 odd games unbeaten in season and oh, still didn't make the playoffs. Still didn't go automatic. We still had to go up through the playoffs. Yeah. We went to calendar year that we'd been beaten. But it means the chairman has invested a lot of money in getting us up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're coming down to about three games before the end of the season. My knee blows up. Um, I mean, blows up. It's it's really big. Mm. Um, it's not happened. Not really sure what's wrong. But I'm taking pills. I'm trying to get through to it. But I know I'm not going to start a game. But they need me. They need a target man. Um, I try and get through it as much. I'm running in a hell of a lot of pain. Like, really should not be playing. Yeah. But I'm playing. Two days before we got out to we're training at Brentford before the playoff final, we're practicing penalties. I'm thinking to myself, do you know what? I was a penalty taker for Rotherham Ipswich, very confident with penalties. Yeah. You know, so no problem being a penalty taker. Always put my hand up. And two days before I'm thinking, it's gonna be a tight game, I know it is. I'm gonna end up coming on. I bet I'm gonna take a penalty. And do you know what? I do not fancy it. I do not I, I do not fancy taking a penalty. I just don't do it. And I had a really bad feeling. I'd never ever thought like that leading up to a game. I was lying awake at night thinking, mm. it's weird. Was that more because of your knee? My knee? I, 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 I shouldn't be here. I yeah. shouldn't be running, but I've got to do it. And there's no way I'm pulling out. There's no way I'm not, you know, 
I, I, I made the physio staff. He said, you know I'm in pain. The manager knows I'm in pain. They know I'm, I'm not. But if they want me to do it, I'll do it. Anyway, come on um, earlier than I thought. At, at the, it was the hottest day I've ever at Wembley. Hottest day ever. Now, these... Have you been in a playoff final? No, we lost three times in the playoff semi-finals when right. I was at <laughs> so, so I never even got the chance to go let, to Wembley with Ipswich. Let me tell you, these wonderful players... Right, nobody in that... Of the 80,000, 90,000 people that nobody enjoyed one moment of that experience or no, of any experience there's too much riding on it there's too much pressure yes, yeah. alright there's no point where you're feeling anything but dread for everyone involved players and all that balls are hot potato again like yeah. it's so tight and it's roasting hot um, and then you go anyway eventually gets to to penalties I'm dreading it Tommy Miller misses alright our, our first one yeah. they score um, Damien Johnson misses our second they score. Wow. I'm third. I'm thinking, do you know what? Now I'm quite confident. I've never seen three <laughs> I've never seen three in a row missed. So all I have to do is hit the target. It's bound to go in. I that honestly insane rationale. Yeah. Go up, take the shot, worst penalty ever, keeps it, throws his hat on it. Make that walk back. Right. So I decide, turned around, the shame. I'm thinking in my head, I'm going, I'm walking straight to the chairman tomorrow, apologizing. Wipe my contract clean. I'm finished. You won't have to pay me anything more. I'm I'm determined. I've s- let so many people mm-hmm. down. Um, I shouldn't be taking a penalty. I shouldn't even be out here. I've, you know, so somehow we um <laughs> we scored our next two penalties. They missed their next three. Wow. It goes to right. So then I'm here. I'm out of jail now. We're going. It goes to the goalkeepers. And then I think, hang on, fucking what, I have to take a second one? And I go, oh my God, no, please, 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 no, please, no. And then we win it on the goalkeepers. So we have the best, like, the best celebration afterwards. The next day we had a party around mine. The lads just, everyone was so close. It was wonderful yeah. feeling. And Gary Roberts came out with the best quote when asked about the penalties. goes, well, we thought we'd do it differently. We thought we'd get all our bad penalty takers out of the way. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it was it was amazing. Then had another year there, um, and again I was still struggling with my knee. But the in the championship, actually, what I'd become was I started a few games, but I generally came on with twenty minutes to go and got us a goal, or caused some. Car- I couldn't run, yeah. you know, I, I couldn't run. But what I'd become really good at was no centre half was going to win a header or get a win a clear header. And I'd cause, I'd create things for other people. And I was quite effective at it. Were you proud of your career, looking back at it? You touched on some of it. Yeah, I do, but you don't... Um, yeah, but... It, I'm not re, You know, I'm here in the middle of nowhere in the countryside. You know, I just don't... Yeah, I think I should probably be prouder. Yeah. You know... Well, like a, one of the things I said earlier is that every club you have played for, you have a great relationship with the fans. So I think that speaks volume of how they see you on that pitch. Um, because a lot of players are vilified by fans who play for them. So it speaks wonders for your career. Yeah, I do. Listen, I, I, 
I think of I was I was really fortunate. Um, I had a lot of good. You know, you need so much luck. Um, had ups and downs of working hard and being really focused. Um, I wouldn't made loads of mistakes, did loads of stupid things, didn't do any really bad things. Mm. You know, I never really, you know, I was always a good lad, mm. I think, you know, but I wouldn't, ch- you could go back and do things differently, and, but I wouldn't change, I, I'd only change things if I could end up right here where I am now. Yeah. My kids, my dogs, in this house, in Suffolk, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want any of that to change. I'll quite. I'll take. You know. I'll, I'll take where I am. Good. So we're just talking about your career. Just a few little questions. Some fun questions. Who was the best player you played with in your career? Um. Well, can I say Paul Merson, even though I never played in a first team game with him, mm-hmm. because he could do things. Back training with the first team, Aston Villa, Dwight York, people like that. Some like kicks and players. Mm. Paul Merson was the most unbelievable, like whirlwind of an experience. You know, he would be, you'd play a seven aside, and he'd just be everywhere running it. Yeah. Like it was, it, you you could sit back and watch it and enjoy just watching what he'd do, mm. um, and worked really hard. Mm. Um, I'm fortunate to play against him in a few England squads that we played together as well. He's a fantastic player. I'm surprised one of the Keynes didn't get mentioned. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't think, I actually, I'm not sure if I was on the pitch with yeah, okay. um, with Roy Keane. Um, yeah, I'd say Robbie Keane, Damien Duff, Damien Duff yeah. arguably, again, but... Again, I feel a bit of an imposter even saying, oh, I played with them. You know, I didn't. I was a sideshow to, you know, a few minutes here here and there. Those guys were on a different level to me. Um, I'd say that the... What's a really good really good player that I played? Jordan Rhodes, I think. Mm-hmm. Goal scorer, best goal scorer I've ever seen. Yeah. The best. Ipswich fans won't like you saying that. <laughs> um, but no, me and Jordan, I was speaking to him the other night, we're in... When touch is not playing for Sheffield Wednesday at the moment. Boy, Wickham's just gone there as well, and he's well, struggling. Yeah, he's, he's not playing either. Wow. Um, but um, yeah, Jordan was the best goal scorer. Ever, best ever player you played against? Um, I always say Gareth Southgate because I think what's quite relevant to him is it was good. He could handle the ball, but when you played against him, um, he went through you. He, you know, yeah. he, 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 that nasty, very intelligent man, very classy the way he holds, he conducts himself, a, a wonderful captain, and not just a captain who does things from when the camera's on him, you know, off the scenes. He said, I remember once when the first time I was in training at the first team, Stan Collymore volleyed a ball at me and laughed, like hit me in the back, like really hurt. Mm. Like, and this kind of, as you know, not very confident kid come to train the first team, and someone does that to you. And I'll never forget Gareth Southgate pulled me and said, "Did well not to react." He's the son. You've to you've to realise that stuff like this happens in football. So this is what you've got to deal. You just got to deal with it. And mm. but you you ignore it and get on with it. And just that was really brilliant. Yeah, that brings me on to the next question. Who's the best captain you've ever had? Um, let's see. I think Jason DeVos. Yeah. Yeah. 
Why? Because I would say Jason, when he first started, and I'd say to his face, I didn't think... Jason, very intelligent bloke, again, probably probably didn't feel like one of the group. The group. Mm-hmm. By the end of... he, Jason was... Yeah, I think that what, what Nickel helped in the process, whatever. Um, but Jason became this leader who understood everything that was going on, understood the players, who was a really good go-between between the players and Jim, um, and was basically unselfish. Um, and it's no surprise now, he's, he's got a wonderful job in, in football in Canada. Um, but I'd say, I'd say Jason, but it took Jason a while to get there. Um, just on, on captains, I think a lot of people go, right, who's the centre half who's going to play the most? Right, your captain. <laughs> and they don't, you know, captains have to take a role. They have to um, stick up for the lads, um, be clever with how they, you know, find the ones that are down, the ones that need picking up, and they have to do more. Jason did a lot of that. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of captains just go, well, you know, I put the armband on and that's, you know that's it, and um, so I think you, you, the captain requires more thought than just right. I think Cole Scoose has come out about Chamo and says, as a captain, he does too much, and that it could affect performances on the pitch. Do you agree with that? That some captains they try to do too much, whether arranging stuff on a social point of view to get lads together. He's Obviously, got players living in his house um, full time. Can you do too much as a captain? Um, I'm sure. I like. Uh, you, listen, when when things aren't going well and you're under pressure, you and you're called upon to keep doing more and more and more. Yeah, of course. Or, you, you know, if if it's your top of the league. No, I would say. You know, you're, you're dealing with all po- positives, aren't you? Yeah, it's all, oh, so I'll turn up to that or we'll get the lads and everyone says yes. When when you go down, when things aren't going well, this is where you know about characters. You know, it's right. Um, and if you don't have enough ca- really strong characters that know how to behave, know how to get through this, know how to keep everyone right, know how to keep everyone up for training, know how to set good examples, um, it's it's really hard. In like in a team, if you've a team, you've you've a core of twenty twenty five lads. If you have three or four, I'll use a black the all blacks term dickheads. It can ruin the whole thing. Of course, you, those there has to be three or four more um, more confident, bigger characters than those that can overpower those, and you probably need to get rid of a couple of them. But you, you can't when someone like when someone's like that. It's all about them, and it they they it it can be really really um, damaging. Of course, I agree. The best manager you've played under. Um, Joe Royal. I didn't really play under Mick. Yeah. But Joe Royal, Mick, um, Warnock. Um, you can't have three, I'm afraid. Sorry. Okay, the best, the the 
the best man I, I'd say uh, Mick McCarthy yeah why um, results mm. so you, you judge you, you ju- I, I think you, you judge people on what they achieve you know, I think well, you know so why he's achiever clubs yeah um, with Ireland I think he is exceptionally good at getting the best out of people um, so there's, there's that side of it but as a man as a character just being honest what's really rare nowadays is people who are when, the ca- when people aren't looking Mick would do things that looked after his staff and mm-hmm. not just the staff, like oh, smear you, asking, yeah, well, you seem a bit down, what's going to help you? Or he'd do things that people don't know about or remember names of people that, uh, you know, people who work to the club. Now, I should know better, but he's taking the time out to know them and remember their names and whatever whatever's happening. And So a lot of stuff like that would go on with Mick. Um, and I felt he was very hardworking and honest um, and fair, really. Yeah, good good best goal you've ever scored um does it have to be is it the, the most of, like technically the best goal yeah the best goal you've scored uh, my, not my half volley head, my half volley header <laughs> how did you manage that a half so it, volley yeah, header it was um uh, it was at portman road ball came in i'm expecting it to be right low but i catch it on the half volley at my head and put it in the corner Wow, and, that's yeah. some, I've always yeah. said you were better with your head than your feet. Yeah, well, you, you know, well I've always said that. <laughs> Who do you know it was against? I forget who it was against, but it is some. It is out there somewhere. I have to get a red Everyone was laughing. I remember Jim after was going like, you know, because you no, no one had ever seen it before. No, I'd never. Decent, and the most important goal I think you maybe said was it the Rotherham one when you put it back through well, someone's leg when possibly or the Crystal Palace goal. Against oh, Sheffield Wednesday. To keep him up. Was that to keep him up? You stayed up, didn't you? We stayed up. We, we went into administration that year, 10 points deducted. We sold all the good players, like Victor mm-hmm. Moses and Nathaniel Klein. Um, and when you talk about character, then uh, everyone, you know, really big character. Players who wouldn't have been playing. You know, some players went off injured. You know, you, you, some people go missing. And then this bunch of characters all stood up. Like Paddy McCarthy, his shoulder must have been dislocated about six times during the season. He'd miss a game, go on. He couldn't run properly. Yeah. He played through pain. Um, and um, we did it last game of the season. It's never, you know, I've never been involved in an occasion like it. But the pressure was good pressure. Mm. Our fans didn't hate us because yeah. they know we had given everything. If we hadn't had the points deduction, we wouldn't have been in this position. So it was kind of an easier way. It was e- it was easier for us going into that game than Sheffield Wednesday. Was it a bullet header again? Was it? It was a bullet header. You and your bloody headers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your favourite club you played at? Um, Ipswich Town. Yeah. Yeah, was a happy my first couple of seasons at Ipswich Town. Okay. Again, why? Um, I, I could f- felt I could be myself. I felt like the fans, I felt whatever people I was living around or working with had the same um, ideals as me. And uh, yeah, I met my wife and everything leads from that. You know, you know, 
you know, you your your world as your kids. Yeah. You know, if happened and living in Suffolk at that time, yeah, I think I think that was my my happiest time. And your best ground you've played at? Probably the Emirates was mm. my favourite one, which I think is even in a funny way nicer than Wembley because everyone feels a bit closer to you. Yeah. Yeah, good. Alright, we'll now go on to your second part of your career in your coaching when did you re- did you realise while you were still playing that you wanted to do your coaching pages and be a coach or did you finish football what am I going to do next then decide to be a coach um, I was I'd, before I'd finished I started doing my badges yeah. so I'd done my B started on my A um, but I'd also started a business degree so, um, I was probably a couple of years in a year, year or two into both those processes when I actually finished. Well, the way I finished was I was I suppose I was thirty five. Huddersfield was meant to have an extra year. Mark Robbins again it was bizarrely was a mate who I played with. And day after the end of last season said, "Oh well, listen, we're not we're not offering you anything, even though he'd indicated before he was, and it left a nasty taste in the mouth." And I thought, you know what, we're going back to Suffolk. I've had mm. enough. Yeah. Finished. I'm not travelling around. I'm not going to. I had some clubs up north that wanted me to play, and I thought, my dad was actually terminally ill, living in our house in Dedham. So I turned the key in the house in Huddersfield, didn't go back, said, let's go down, live with your mum until we sort this out. Um, a few weeks in, I needed to get my training hours, coaching hours. Yeah. And I asked Brian. Um, if I could go and do take a team or whatever, take you know do a bit of hours and that was fine. Came in, and I came in one evening and Mick McCarthy and Terry Connor were watching a game. So when I was finished, I walked over and I just said, um, "Hi Mick, thank you very much for letting me come and do my hours." And he goes, "Oh, but uh, you're very welcome." Well, what are you doing? I said, "Well, it looks like I'm retired." He goes, "Are you still in good shape?" I go, and I lied and said, "Yes, I've been keeping fit." Yeah. Well, listen, we're really short. Can you come in and train? Um, and I came in to train on the Monday morning and then uh, played a 23s game, scored a goal. And he kind of said, listen, we don't think you're going to play much, but we'd like you in training and being around someone experienced. And, um, you know, you can be a player coach and take your time with the coaches. So that's how it started. Yeah, brilliant. Um, but I ended up probably, they were so short on players mm. that I ended up training nearly every day with the mm. first team. Did you do your you did your coaching badges with the Irish FA, didn't you? The Northern Irish FA, yeah. Oh, the Northern. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you told me a good story. I think Joey Barton was on the same course as you, didn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, that's a great story. If you, because <laughs> you see how well he's doing as a manager now. Yeah. But Obviously, that day at the coaching course, it didn't go. Well, well what I thought was when I saw the list of who was coming on the course with me, mm-hmm. I thought, oh god, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh Joey Barton, all oh, right, you know, I had this pre like a lot of people, this um, impression of him, and I thought, this is going to be a nightmare, I just, I don't, you know, um, i just got to get through this. Um, and Joey ended up being, <laughs> me, Joey, and Kevin Horlock, we spent two weeks locked up together, and we just had the best time. It just had so many deep conversations, learned so much, laughed so much, we all struggled together. 
because the second you think, you know, I remember the first time Joey had to take a recession, he stormed off, he goes, right, I've, I've lost my way. It was like, it, and we go, Joey, Joey, calm down, calm. So, um, and then we come back, but we all had those moments. Yeah, everyone so, like, does. My, my, my first bit, it's I cracked the first transition, bit. transition, that is. The first exam, I crack, and I'm doing this, that, and the other. Yeah. Anyway, so they're looking for someone to volunteer to be first on right, the next bit. So I go, yeah, yeah, listen, I got this now. Don't worry, boys. <laughs> so I go out there. I'm going halfway through. I completely lose what I'm doing. The lads start trying to whisper to me to help me out. And I'm going, I don't know. I've just lost here. I just... And you, it, it was really... Um, anyone arrived with an ego, by the end of it, that was... You know, it was... So it was a really good experience. And what's quite... Well, what people like the Panthers and that don't realise is that when we go on our coaching, because we go on to coaching courses with fellow pros. Yeah. And then they're your guinea pigs. So you don't, so we're actually doing coaching and they're, we're using them as players, which makes it even well, worse. I'm Mendieta. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling Mendieta to go on, he's got to get the knockdowns. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not. So that is like, so if we got like a kid's score coming in or something, I think it would be so much easier. But then when you've got like, all ex players and yeah. it is tough because they're yeah. like looking like ah oh, yeah it is a lot of pressure a lot a lot of pressure but it, like you said them courses are such great fun because the evenings are great you, yeah. you get together because we kind of miss that coming out of one of the great things of being a footballer is the dressing room banter yeah. and then to get that back for the week or two weeks whatever the course is yeah they're good times they're good times did you enjoy your coaching Ipswich? Um, well, I stopped enjoying it. I didn't. Um, I suppose, if if I'm honest, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think I don't classify myself as a good coach, or nor would I want to be. Or uh, I think I know how to make people better. Um, well, that's a good coach. I. I I just wanted to do the good for Ipswich Town. I was mm. quite happy being part of Ipswich Town and um, contributing. Yeah, in whatever way that was, I wasn't one of these career coaches. I'd go on the courses that I had to go on. Um, and, you know, I got my AB and Advanced Youth Award, but I wouldn't go... Um, I wouldn't go for my... A, for my what's the top one the pro, the pro, pro license because I, you know I was quite happy being youth team yeah. youth team manager so you were you were youth team manager when I came back into the club and I was doing the 16s with um, ads yeah and I remember having this conversation there and it's always stuck with me and you're quite a realist with regards you're you're as a coach as a youth team coach your end goal, your big picture was the first thing. And I remember we sat down one evening, we might have gone to an away game, and you were saying, for example, and I, we, you used the example of Andre. Andre was the best player in my youth team, but I knew he would struggle in a Mick McCarthy team because he doesn't know the basics of hard work, defending, heading, getting stuck in. And this is not a knock on Andre or players. And I've touched on the academy earlier. Do you think it is not just Ipswich Academy? Listen, if you're at Chelsea or Man City Academy, 
you can play the way like Pep because you have the best players in the country all going to your football club. But when you're at Ipswich Town or all these other clubs and you look how the first team playing and what division they are, are we doing our players an injustice, do you think, by not teaching them? Because it is quite alarming how many players can't head the ball properly in academies. Well, I was ridiculed for having that. Of course, yeah, that's so what I'm saying. That's was, why, when you uh, told me that, it's always stuck with me when I see certain players going into the first team struggling. Um, listen, I, I'd, I'd listen to so many people have an opinion saying how things should be done when they don't know, when they've not done it themselves, they've not been youth team manager themselves, or they've not been involved in a process of actually making someone better, but they know, and, they, and, they, and they've not played the game, but you know you have to listen to so many opinions that don't know um, don't know the context to what they're talking about. So f- first of all, that's when 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 I came in, I said I'm gonna have a look at this. Right, I'm an ex. I I don't want to be the ex program that's now played five hundred and fifty games. I know what to do to do. I'd like to think someone had asked me what to do at the centre forwards because mm. I'm the only person in the building that can actually help them, you know, well, actually Terry Connor was a centre forward as well. Of course, yeah. But I can see straight away, it's really easy for me to see straight away a centre forward, especially a big centre forward, no, 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 you, you, you know, there's some things here I can help you with. But I took a view, I'm going to watch what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I became stepped up from assistant to the UT manager, I was going to use what I felt worked and jettison what was a waste of time. Mm. And I got some of the best. Terry Connor. Terry Connor had been a coach at every level. Of course, yeah. From community up. And I watched Terry Connor make millions for the club mm. through what he did. And I took the best advice for him was I said, listen, you've got to focus on f- getting the good players. They're going to be with us in two years' time to try and get used to doing the things they'll need to do in a real game of football. And he said, sometimes that will be crossing a ball when no one's there. Mm-hmm. So it means pressing when no one's pressing behind you and you get played around. Um, and, you know, you've, you've got to drown out everything else and focus on that. And um, I tried to do my best and, you know, I've got... It was, uh, yeah, I, I tried to instill as best I could the hard work, you know, a hard working mentality. You know, I always feel, I felt so many of the kids were exactly like me, mm. where they were coming in, they're expecting, if, you, if, you're, if you're in an academy now, each of the, there's so many, there's, there's, uh, there's X amount of physiotherapists, speed coach, this coach, that coach, everyone saying, you know, you've got, coach developers you've got, you can have seven eight people at an under 16 game yeah. and that's saying to for me that's saying to the players right we're all the bits giving you the bits that make you better and no it's not it's not it's only the player has to decide for himself he has to go through a barrier and really take ownership and responsibility those for me are the most important things a lot of the kids I had were exactly like me when I first walked into Aston Villa but I hang around here go through the motions eventually become a footballer and it's just so far as you know it's so far from the... Yeah. The, when I've gone on my 
I think when you just said there's so many coaches, so you could have six or seven coaches at a game. And for example, if I'm doing a youth team game or you're doing a youth team game or an under 16s game, half time will come, we'll say something. Then Brian might come, he'll say something. Then Nashi might come, he'll say something. And then the manager of the football club might come and say something. And there could be four completely different things. When I went to Anderlecht, I went to Anderlecht and uh, Vincent Company, there was an under-21 game and Vincent Company, the manager of the football club, didn't come in at half-time. Waited for all the players to go out, then he comes in. What did you say? Da-da-da-da. Did you say this? No. Well, make sure you say this to them in the first five minutes of the second half. The reason why he did that is because you're the manager of the under-18s. If you've got all these other coaches saying something completely different... It undermines you. Yeah. As soon as a pl- as soon as players under realize why should we listen to him or him when the manager is saying completely that different, can, it completely can, yeah. undermines everyone. And I think, like you said, sometimes there's too much information and too many voices rather than let the players not be there, speak together and have one direct message. Yeah, and uh, you, what happens then as well is there's there's so many people justifying themselves mm. that. They've got to see something. It's got to be complicated. There's so many people saying things that it's not for the kids. You know, it's not really for them. It's for who's listening. What insight do you have in the... And generally, and you've touched on it, usually when things aren't going right on a football pitch, there's someone's not doing their job. Mm-hmm. And it's the same whatever level you're at. It's the same as youth f- football. And too often I'd see a good player swap positions and move it around rather than like actually no if you do your job this works but at the moment you're not doing your job yeah um and it was yeah so i think there's 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 too much of a jump uh, between what the reality of youth team football 23s football and you know in in, in some cases i thought i, I see more competitive 18s game than I do 23s games. It's mm-hmm. mad, you know. You know, so I'm. But if I'm totally honest, I look back and I think, when when I first started coaching, the FA had said about how like competition wasn't to be, you know, you shouldn't be pressure on players, and this is all the learning environment, um, and how winning is important. And I remember as a coach going, boys, we got that so wrong. It's so important for them to want to win. You know, it's so important that working hard and all this. And again, I'd be kind of ridiculed by young coaches. Oh, that's just a pro. You don't understand development. Roll on five years' time. The FA are giving, listen, we've kind of think you've all got the wrong idea about winning is really important. And everyone's going, yeah, well, winning's really important, Alan. You, you know, you've got to get with it. Thinking, yeah, I was saying that five years ago and you were going, no, no, no. Now, what's important is it's not, it shouldn't be really important for a coach to win. It should be really important for the youth team coach that your boys want to win. Yeah. So if your boys want to win and do everything right, yeah, yes, embrace that. Yeah. When they're tossing it off, go mad. You've you've got to show them that you 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 know they're going to go into something where it's, where it, it feels like life and death. Those three points. Yeah. You're under massive pressure. Um. So you've got to show you've got to, they've got to know that it's important. That was the big thing for me is that. We got the all players from the under 11s 
all the way up to the youth team. It was like a questionnaire asking them about what they could change. And so from under 11s up until under 15s, there's no competitive league. There's no, it's not about results. Obviously, when you're under 16s and under 18s is when the league thing come. But you've got to remember, all these players have been at our academy and gone all the way through. They've never been like where we play for our local side where you have goal of the season, player of the year, a league. Yeah. So one of the first things I did when you stepped down from the 18s and I moved up was we had a player of the year do. I went out with my own money, bought trophies, bought they voted for goal of the season, player of the season. And just to see that end thing and the winning and everything, they absolutely buzzed from it. And even in training, and I know you, even if I'm having a warm-up, I try to get the mentality is, you don't want to lose even in a warm-up. You got you want to win. Yeah, it yeah. should be so... Because like you said, they lose and it's like, oh, it don't matter. It's about our player development. No, winning is yeah. the most important thing. I don't care if it's at youth team level. And I remember Paul Lambert when the 23s won the league in the 18s and he was like, it doesn't matter. Well, I disagree. I thought it does matter because you're getting them that winner mentality. It shouldn't be accepted to lose. It shouldn't be accepted to lose. Uh, you you touched on that again earlier, and you said because of the career you've had, and like no one's asking you about strikers and that. Do you think because you've played football at a reasonable level, you're full international, that that gives you an edge over someone who hasn't played football because People always throw out Jose Marino, Arsene Wenger, who didn't play, but then the most successful coaches, two of the most successful coaches in the world. Yeah, but they understand the game. Mm. You know, so I think, you know, you... Um, yeah, an, an advantage, certainly. Mm. But I wouldn't... If I, if, when I was at the academy, I'd still ask you... I'd ask you, mm. right, this midfielder... You, you have to understand, you, you don't get it right with every kid. Yeah. You can't know, you know, you need everyone around you to be supportive. And I'd ask you, I'd, ask, I'd love to ask Antaeus, listen, can you look at the back line there? Can you tell me, does that feel right to you? Is the line, you know, do you think that's... Um, and you and Titus might ask, you know, might ask me the same about the centre forward. I, you know, I, I'd, I'd use that knowledge. I said, like, if, if, if my goal... My goal wasn't to be the showman best coach. My goal was to make money for Ipswich Town. Yeah. So if I'm a midfielder, I'd go listen, talk to Kieran. Talk to Kieran. He knows more than me. Yeah. You use use and if you're a good person and you're going, you're actually wanted it, you'll 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 tell him the truth. Mm. Um so I think far too often you get like I found difficult as I have like I was trying to get you know, one of the players, I don't want to name names, would like move the ball quicker and I'd looked at videos back and he pulled me, he said, listen, Alan, another coach has told me not to listen to you and take as many touches as I want, not to listen to you, not to listen to Bright, I can take as many touches as I want. Mm. The kid came to me a couple of weeks ago and said, Alan, the coach has said that to me, is now screaming at me every time I get the ball to move the ball quicker. What do I do? And I can't, I said, I can't answer that. You know, I just cannot answer, I cannot answer, I, I don't know I, I don't know what to say. And I think really that that mess the simple, clear, easy messages to kids um works. Is it listen, you're a centre forward who loves scoring goals, 
Is it more rewarding for you when you see the players that you've worked in going and making their first team debuts and then in interviews afterwards saying that you're a massive influence on their career? Um, I, no, I worry because, listen, that's you're just I just did my job, for mm-hmm. instance. I, I did my job. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't um, bad at it. I wasn't... Listen, if I was if I was the best coach in the world, I wouldn't be at Ipswich Town. I don't I don't want to be known as that. I, I just did my job. Yeah. Um, I'd be careful of some young lads because if you know it, when kids say that, that it puts other people's noses out of joint. And I don't I don't think they should say that. Um, but um, why shouldn't they say that? Because you've just spoke earlier about best managers you've worked under. That's not putting anyone else as a thing. It's just that these people are more influential for your career than others. So, for example, Jack Lancaster, I read, was highly... He was speaking very highly of you and what a massive influence. That's him being honest about... Yes, he's had 10, 20 coaches in his probably time at Ipswich, but you were the most influential. And, yes, you were doing your job, but I think that is very well rewarding for you and I think you should take great satisfaction because I know certain players I've worked with the Iddies and Dobbs um, they they kind of speak about me in the same way and listen I, I tell you what if once Jack has what, 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 what all those players is to play 200 games yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. I, I don't so I, but part part of the thing at Ipswich is we've our strength sometimes with the weakness. So we've got this wonderful um, area that you get players from. You've got eight hundred thousand people, um, probably reaching a bit further than that, where you're the be- the biggest club and the best club. And if you if you do it the right way, you'll get good players in. But also, there's no other focus for the press but Ipswich Town, <laughs> and the academy is a big part. And there's a big whirl with you know. Next thing, these players. They're the biggest thing, um, and whereas if they were at Rotherham or Sheffield, no one would even heard them. They wouldn't be doing these interviews. Of course, yeah. They'd just be off, um, and probably in your day, you wouldn't have been. That's hilarious. That video of that guy doing yeah, the interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, town, yeah. probably until until you'd really played a lot of game. You know, you you mightn't have the same. You know, so I just. Um, Jack Jack was a supremely talented boy. Um, all I did was told him when he was not working hard, told him why, and I did it in the right way. Got through to him, and when he when he when he was working hard, I told him well done. His talent, I didn't give. I didn't give him any more talent. He always had really. He was always a really talented boy, and that talent will always be with him, and he'll always do something different on a pitch, different from other people. Um, uh, exceptional, really nice guy, really nice family, but. All those boys, I want to say, right, you know, play. Um, I'll be really, really. Ha- I'll feel I'll have done something for them when they have a whole career. I want them to have a whole career now. Yeah. I don't want. I wouldn't want anyone to start thinking, Flushing well, I've done this much bit now. Every step is harder than the last. Yeah. And you've got to keep on going, going. There's loads of pitfalls. So. Um, but Jack, Jack's a that Jack's a really good kid. One of your. Obviously, I work closely beside you and see you in action. One of your big strengths 
I thought was empathy with regards to that you actually cared for every single one of the players, not the best players. And there was a couple of occasions where we had released, I'm not going to name names, but we released players. And usually when you release players, you have to focus on the players who are still at the club. And you went out your way to make sure they'd get a final game. You just had this wonderful, wonderful nature about you. And you, I think every player knew that you actually cared for them. And it showed. Is that come from the person you are, or is that you get you just picked that up from the best managers you worked under? Well, that's just me. I, I yeah. don't think I don't put that much thought into it. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I think, thank you for saying that, Kieran. Um, yeah, I do. I'm a bit soft, definitely. Yeah. I'm really hard when I need to be. Bolting away. I was there yeah. with that head. Like, right? Don't get me wrong. When when I know that. Um, uh, there's two, there's two sides of me. I'll explore every way possible to get through to a kid in the nicest way and yeah. explain and question A and all this. And, um, but you, there's a point where you have to be, you have to be really, really honest. And, and you've got, sometimes you've got to show that actually this really matters. Um, so uh, I'm laughing now because <laughs> we played Bolton away. So the 16s played on a different pitch to the 18s. And the 18s... Uh, Got absolutely battered, and our sixteens uh, won. So we were in the change room, weren't we? And I, our team talk was pretty quick. And then I've gone into the eighteens <laughs> change room, and that's when I see the angry Alan Lee come out, and you give the hairdryer. <laughs> and I've never jumped so much. And what was funny about that is I kind of always like we always used to have banter, and I always just to take the the piss out of you, take the mick out of you and that. And after that, I can remember going back into the change room and went, I swear, if Alan Lee ever loses it, honestly, he can rip anyone's head off. I am never, ever taking the mick out of him again. It was just like, even me, I was just sat there going, what the hell? But, boy, that, listen, like you said, I'll give a few... Well, there was, there was context to that. So we had, I knew it was going to be, it was my second year as manager, I knew it was going to be a difficult year. Or Steve had said, he said, like, you know, these lads, the, this group need, you know, a lot of work and they're, you know, physically not quite at it. And That's Steve McGavin. Yeah, yeah Steve, McGavin. Steve McGavin. So, um, first game, uh, we lost 6-1 to Nottingham Forest. And uh, we were awful. We couldn't, they came out, they do it the right way, they're all over us, northern lads, big lads, getting it down our throats. We've got lads ducking out of headers, duck pressing, not, you know... Um, and they've, yeah, they've they've scored some easy goals. Let's put it that way, mm-hmm. as well. So we should have lost, but yeah. you know, we, they scored some easy goals. Where you thinking, no, no, no. After the game, I literally get called into Lee's office, and they're there with this match pack that, like, my assistants appeared, going, "Oh, what was your plan B? You know, what happened there? What was your plan B?" And and it was Lee, Brian, and George William. I remember going. You see, you just watched what happened. Like we've done plan, plan A is for these players to learn to head the ball, stop, you know, block, be brave. You know, we've got totally blown away. You know what? You know, it's my first game, and it was oh, this is. So anyway, uh, my assistant was going well. Oh, listen, I'll get tactically. We'll do. We'll work on it. I'll work. I said, go on, you crack on then. You, you do it. So we go. We play Bolton. We get pumped six one again. <laughs> so <laughs> and like. 
and, and I think my sister was kind of going, oh, well, I think we look better the shape-wise. And I'm going, no, 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 no. Boys, you're two games into your... You, you have to understand, you know, that this really, really matters. If you press, you've got to press with intensity. If you get stuck in, if the ball's been head, if you don't, if you don't do these things and learn really, really quickly, you have no chance. So what you'd get is you'd go like Terry and Mick. In reality, you've got 18 months of the team. Terry, Terry put me, Mick would go to me some things. I'll just, just get the centre halves. Ted, if they're good, just get them to head the ball. Please just give us that one. You know, Terry would like going, please get the set of fours to cross the, you know, cross and head the ball. Please get them to do the things. We will, it'll take us five minutes to give them the tactics. Mm. Which is true. You yeah, know, when, you, sure. when you've got a new team, if they're good players, it takes two or three games to gel and you know what to do. Yeah. And those guys were so like, please, please just instill the basic, our values into them. You know, people like Flynn Downs, make sure he, know, he knows they're playing a two, get stuck in, do it simple, we'll do the rest. Because they'll work very hard on the players, making them better. They used to, you know. But um, that was kind of, you know, so that when we lost the 6-1, they, they got into some, no, no, we, we forget about the tactics or anything, you have got to go out and cross that white line and it's got to matter to you and you, you got to put your, um, you've got to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do have another side um, and I would send players in and, you know, probably confuse some. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, uh, I wasn't there to be friends with the players. Mm. Um, and... Um, you know, very often there's a boy I put a hell of a lot of time into and he probably has no respect for me. I think he'll have a career, um, you know, but I, his dad thanks me. Yeah. He could see what I was doing. Yeah. You know, it can't, it can't all be arm round the summer board kept going. You've got to, sometimes you've got to, you know, unfortunately, young lads are lazy. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I know I was. Of course, yeah. Are you um, enjoying your time with Berry, or do you want to get back into football? If I, if I, another opportunity came to go back into coaching, I, I'm. You... I love. Uh, no, probably not. No, I probably not into coaching. I, I wouldn't. I I, uh, I love being at Berry. There's so many good people that are inspirational. There's so many people that do work that no one sees, and I. I, I love that. You know, I think that's, um, I had a message from someone the other day and it welled me up. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking, no, no, you're, you know, what you're doing is, is really special, really inspirational. And I love the people there. Um, probably, uh, I love the school. I love representing the school. Yeah. It's really hard work that I'm doing. I'm probably doing a bit too much. Um, I've started my study again. I'm finishing my degree um, I'm doing my financial advisor exams at the same time. Uh, I look at it. I'd like to. I'd like to be in charge. When you say I, in charge, so, manager of a football club, or actually no, running a football um, club like a chief executive. I, I could have been a manager. That pathway's gone now. Mm-hmm. I know I could have been a manager. Um, and I could have been a good one, if the right if the conditions were right. 
What I see now is there's no point being. And I know what you say about manager and you've you that self belief. Yeah. I would challenge you and say, if 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 everything behind the scenes isn't perfect and going the right way, if the if the recruitment isn't right, if the kids, um, your philosophy, if if all these things don't, the more I see of it, then football clubs need the whole everyone on the same page, and I I think actually a position now is a director of football, chief executive. Um, I know I can speak. Um, I can speak their language. Um, I, I've always had good relation. I've never I've no relationship with Marcus Evans, but I've generally had good relationship with owners of clubs. Um, I'm going to finish off. I love working at the school, Barry. I love being around in Suffolk. I'm going to finish my education and see where it takes me. But I, I'm done. Like if football, you, me, you and me know both know. And ain't ever getting better mm. than what we had. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the, we, can't it's it's you can't you can't beat us. I don't need to prove anything to anyone. So if I never work in professional football club again, uh, that's fine. If I do, I know I'll make a club a lot of money. Yeah, but um, do you do you say that because again, we keep reference to Ipswich. Marcus comes in, Evans comes in. Yeah, Simon Clegg is his right hand man, has no football background, doesn't know football. Then Ian Mill, again, no football background, doesn't really know the game. And now Leo Neal, who yes, he was at the Academy, he's I think he'll be the first to admit he's learning on the job. Do you feel that you could go into that role because you know the recruitment side of the game, agent side of the game, playing background? You'd be more qualified. Um, no, I'm not saying, you're, I'm not saying yeah, you're no, putting no, your name not, out there not, to be an Ipswich club. I'm just saying. Yeah. Do you think when you look at Ipswich, maybe that position, if they got that position right with someone who knew the game? No, I I think you you have to be the decision maker at the top. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if um, if Simon Clegg, Emil, I I don't believe I I don't know who the decision maker was. Yeah, I, you know I don't think it was them. I don't think Lee's. You think they had to make, go back you know, up make, to you know, so Mark, so, um, and, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't want to go down that road because Mark has put, I put a hell of a lot of money in. What he does with his money is entirely up to him. If, you know, um, I would say a structure for football. I'm not sure football as a whole has this structure right, or certainly, um, you. Football, running an academy, football club is every day making decisions. Yes, you're making split decisions. You know, you've got to understand so much to make the right ones. You've got to understand. You've got to have experience of how things play out. Um, and it's every day. It's about this player. This. What should we spend that? Should we do this? Should we, should we offer a contract there, or should we sell him? Or and you've got to in the back of your mind, you've got to have some experience. Yeah. You've got to know. Well, hang on a second here. It's a bit like. Um, if if we if we turn down this player, so 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 many people in football go. I remember at Rotherham, Cardiff were in for me. One of the directors is going. Well, we think you staying with us is worth three million to the club. So if we turn, if we're just turning down one point two million, but we have your services for the whole season. And we don't offer you a new contract, we'll be up in the deal. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like, what, 
how do you think I'll be playing? Yeah, exactly. Not, no, not, not, I've never thrown in the towel, but how motivated? Of course. What if I get injured? That's in the back of my mind. There's so many people that think, don't, can't immediately think out, the folks, well, actually, if, if we don't sort this player out, we'll start, we'll start pissing them off. Yeah. So, um, actually, the best thing is to sell them, take that money, or to give them a more contract. And there's so there's so many of these decisions that um, I think having lived, having had the journey, I hate using those phrases, but you, you've you've um, uh, like that's one thing I, I want to give financial advice to players. I'd like quite quite interested in yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I do that because I've made some mistakes. And made some really good, good choices. I've had good and bad advice. I know the difference. I know what it feels like at thirty-five to go. Whoa, hang on a second here. That's my wage pack. You know, I've got. You've go from. So I've lived it, um, and uh, resultantly, I've done quite well. Yeah. All right, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you, um, benefit from my mistakes. And also the good things that happened to me and what yeah. the good decisions were and how, you know, so that, you know, so that's something that really interests me. Yeah. Good. Well, I've really enjoyed the chat. Likewise, Kieran. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. No, well, well I'm sure the I think best. It, listen, I listened to your last podcast and I was sceptical as always yeah, with yeah. you. Yeah. And I just thought it was, it was brilliant, mate. You spoke really well. You've, you've a gift of getting the, you know, of getting people to open up and talk yeah. and, um, and it's likewise for you. I always thought that the Kieran Dyer that you have these people have an image of yeah. is so far from. You're, you're not a bad bloke, really, are you, lad? Nah, softy at heart. Yeah. All right, All right mate. Top man. Cheers. Cheers. Hello again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you all enjoyed that really interesting chat between two guys who really, really care about Ipswich Town and had some good times in blue. Um, We've got loads more podcasts you can listen to. The Ross Meat series is rolling on. Ross Hall's producer, Ross. He's spoken to Christoph Berra, Scott Loach, Darren Curry, Sergo Baltaccio, Adam Tanner, Ronan Murray, George O'Callaghan. They're all there to listen to. Uh, previously mentioned, Kieran Dyer spoke to Kane Vincent Young and also selected his all-time Ipswich Town Best Eleven as well, which is really good to listen to. We've got loads you can listen to um, at the moment. So grab a podcast, give it a listen, tell your friends. Leave us a review, all that jazz that Mark normally says, and uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next time. From true crime to football, Brexit to football, for more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com/channel/archon.
channel, more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.